All right, folks, this is Rabble Rouse and Rich Bergeron. Good. The Tornado Jenny Pentecost. And Psychic Tom Padgett. And uh, we have a whole lot of uh, UFC news to talk about this week. Of course, we had UFC 200 over the weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys heard uh, that the uh, total pay for Brock Lesnar, just fight pay alone. Any of you guys here? I, I did not, but I've been hearing this. Two and a half million dollars for one fight. Ooh. That doesn't surprise me. Fight pay. Good fight work pay. if you can get it. Right. For three rounds of um, wrestling and half boxing, fucking uh, <laughs> Mark Hunt. Uh, I didn't actually watch it full speed. It was kind of um, kind of more subdued for me because uh, I was watching it on one of them little uh, computer feeds. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, who would have thought it would have gone three rounds? I mean, I would have bet on Brock Lesnar to win. Surprisingly, he was the underdog, but... Uh, you know, not three rounds. I would have thought he would have been able yeah, to knock him yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, I think that would have been some very good odds. I mean, virtually no one on the on the boards anywhere. No, no one was predicting decision. And uh, Kovalev got another win in boxing. He did. I didn't get a chance to see it. It started too late for my time, you know, with this getting up extra early for work. need my beauty sleep. I tried hey, to watch Tony, it. Tony, Tony, wh- where's, where's your... Where's your priorities, Tony? <laughs> well, my priorities will be getting better soon when I don't have to go to the damn city every day and I don't have to take this damn public transportation nightmare that I'm going through right now. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, you on, the, you on my train ride home today, because it's so packed and so overcrowded because, like, a third of the trains are out of commission, that... I think I sweated more today <laughs> than I did during for any of my fights in college. I'm trying to cut weight. Damn. That's how bad Damn. it was. <laughs> and, and I used foul language. Uh-oh. You did not. You did not. You crazy guy. Uh, speaking well, of using well, foul language, that's a perfect transition to uh, telling you guys, if you didn't already know, that Dana White is going to be speaking at the Republican convention this weekend for Donald Trump, believe it or not. Is he really? He's going to be speaking. Speaking. Like, he's going to have to write a speech. Can you believe it? He's going to have to, like, limit his four-letter you know vocabulary. Here's the thing. No matter, what, no matter what you say about Dana White... You know, as a person, you know, as a, um, you know, as controversial as he can be, the man's a good salesman. Right. Right? You bet. When you say, when you say you take a $2 million investment and you turn it into a $4 billion investment, <laughs> I don't know what the percentages is on that, but that's a lot. Right. Well. Good sales, right? It wasn't just $2 million that they, they, they bought it for and then they turn around. They put a lot of money into it over the years. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. No, I, I appreciate that, but still. Yeah, I'm big sure money, big still money turnaround. Getting out more than they put in. Right. And now, weirdly enough, I, I cannot deny whether it's uh, connected, but uh, the last uh, two weeks, two weeks before the deal actually was solidified, I got a, a, an interesting phone call from a guy who um, was writing watchdog columns 
for um, Huffington Post. He's a big uh, guy with a lot of history in the media, ABC producer. And uh, he's asking me all about the Fertitas in uh, you know business deal that his client is doing with the Fertitas. So this guy hasn't worked in media for a while. He's he's doing uh, research for a client. Sounds. So more I look into him, I, I see he's based in New York, and one of the major participants in this UFC deal is Michael Dell, and his investment company, which is based on Wall Street in New York. You know, in that area. So, <laughs> like, wow, maybe it was him, you know, doing his due diligence is what the guy specifically said, uh, doing a business deal with the Fertitas. You know, the only other situation I could think uh, would be the NFL because the Fertitas are definitely going to buy an NFL team, and it looks like they're going to try to make play for the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, well, you know, Mal Davis ain't around no more, so it's definitely doable. You know, he was like, you know, the football version of George Steinbrenner. You know, he was going to own it until he died. Right. And uh, he, uh, supposedly the owner does not want to sell. The Oakland Raiders is the owner. Supposedly, you know, and this is from, like, uh, news articles that have absolutely no sources. You know, it's like, you know, right. you just say, oh, this guy doesn't want to sell. But, I mean, like the Fertitas, when you throw $4 billion at them, you know, maybe they change their minds. Now I yeah. think the Raiders are probably worth about two point five billion, at least. Think they're worth that? Think they're worth that much? Well, to own an NFL team, I mean, if they allow them to own it, because the NFL is a little bit different sure. than any other uh, now, sports. Now league. I'll give you a perspective, because um, the last time I remember a team being bought, and that obviously teams have been bought since that time. I just remember when the Eagles were bought in. Um, that was 1994 by Jeffrey Lurie. And I think oh, well, it, it was it was definitely well less than a billion, I'll tell you that. I don't even think it was $100 million. Right, but it's changed. I mean, it's, it's a different Yeah, I mean, granted, it seems that's a hell of a lot of inflation in itself. <laughs> right. I um, think when Jeffrey Lurie bought the team, I think it was $85 million. And that was like a, you know, I think when... Um, Norm Brayman had bought the team back in the mid '80s. I think he bought it for like, like a couple million, you know, and he turned that into eighty-five million. So, I mean, could teams be being sold today for a billion? Well, I know the Eagles are now valued over a billion dollars. So, I mean, I don't know what their sales value would be if Lori decided to sell it. Um, but with the Raiders right now, I mean, I know they've been on a downward trend, but they are the Oakland Raiders. You know, they are a um, story franchise so well i think what will happen is uh you know they'll have one last year in oakland the fertitas will buy them whether taking the vegas uh not i don't think uh frank will get involved frank i think is going to stay with the casinos because you know they've they're, okay. public. they're public now they're doing a lot of business moves frank's going to stay there lorenzo is going to get out of the ufc business and go into the nfl and because okay. he, he's the one that's got sons involved in football, so you know he's passionate about the sport. So I think he's going to go in and buy the team with family money, and they're going to move it to Vegas because they're already uh, publishing articles in the Las Vegas Review Journal about the Fertitas arranging land for a stadium in Vegas for the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, this is in motion already. I'm not just bullshitting people. <laughs> 
I mean, there's already plans on how this is going to be done to separate the casinos from the family, uh, which is a very crucial role in owning an NFL team. And I mean, you know, that timing of selling the UFC for $4 billion is not a coincidence. And they've been making these other moves with their public, uh, going public with uh, station casinos. And, you know, you don't raise a whole shitload of money for nothing like that. There's got to be a purpose with it. And Dana White himself said that they were interested in, you know, buying an NFL team. <coughs> so, you can say you heard it here first if you didn't hear it anywhere else. <laughs> I can believe it. I think it's going to happen. You know, when you have all that money, and, I mean, basically you can buy the toys you want to buy. Right, exactly. And the interesting thing about the UFC being sold, too, is not only Michael Dell being involved in, in a lot of investment money, but um, Dana White's agents, you know, the, if you've ever seen the, the series Entourage, the, the guy, yeah. Ari, in that show is based on the dude that runs this management company and, and um, agency, uh, PR agency and everything for these Hollywood A-listers and sports people. And, it, you know, it's a ruthless guy, kind of like the Fertitas, who is just a crazy character, you, know, you can imagine. Um, but the whole show, Entourage, I mean, his whole character is basically based on him. It was started off based on another guy, but then, you know, they saw this guy. and it was, It's Mark Wahlberg's agent, too, so he's the one that created that whole series. And it's uh, the ex-chief of staff of the United States, uh, a brother. So, I mean, you can imagine how much power and influence this guy has. Now he's in charge of the UFC. Um, and so the other thing is the Hollywood aspect of it. You know, you're going to see a lot of these folks uh, who enter into the UFC, they're going to be in movies all of a sudden. You know, they're going to be in TV shows. They're going to be, uh, you know, getting all kinds of PR opportunities that they wouldn't normally get because this guy is good at what he does. And the other thing is he negotiates pay for people. So... You would think if he does a good job at that, he's going to negotiate good pay for his own people with the UFC fighters uh, and start paying them some significant ch change. He's saying this whole organization is worth $4 billion, and, and he's at the head of this deal, which that's the only thing that makes sense to me is that he is driving this. That guy, I mean, he is he has his hooks into the UFC already with Dana White as his agent who he um, obviously has carved out an, a place for in the new organization. Supposedly, Dana White signed a five-year contract with the new makeup, which I've also heard the Fertitas are minority involved in still. But I have no confirmation of that. That's just what I've kind of read here and there. I don't know if it's actually true. But you'd, you'd think they would be minority involved if they could possibly can still make money off of it. You know, they kind of created it. They want a piece of it. But they're happy to give up control for four billion dollars. <laughs> uh, but who knows what kind of monster uh, this guy can create? It's Emmanuel, um, and uh, who knows? I mean, he's already got his uh, his hooks into Hollywood, and now he's got his hooks into a major sports organization that. Uh, a guy like him could do a lot for behind the scenes. I think way more than the Fertitas can because they have their distractions, obviously. They, this is not their first love. If this is what they're doing, they're selling this off to go do the NFL thing. And Frank's going to stay with the casinos, I think. <clears throat> but, you know, that now it's a public corporation, so they have all these other responsibilities that he's going to have to take charge of. They're, they're expanding like you wouldn't believe. They're doing all kinds of new contracts left and right. 
Um, so they're making a lot of business moves. <clears throat> Buying out, uh, they bought the Palms Casino a little while back. You know, so they're taking all this money and they're, they're making major investments. And I think they're just going to go buy the Raiders and try to sink their money into that, making that a Vegas team. One last year in Oakland. you got to have your farewell tour, but then it's coming to Vegas. Yeah. If they can build a stadium in time. <laughs> Not much that $4 billion can't do, huh? Oh, right, yeah. And, uh, you know, the Fertitas were always interested, too, in uh, a billion-dollar casino with a, a UFC arena inside of it. Uh, and I don't know whether they're going to do that with the Palms now, that they're not majority interest in the, U in the UFC. They can do it with their own properties or not. But that was always in their dream paperwork before they bankrupted the station casinos the first time. So <laughs> you never know how they're going to uh, throw this money around in Vegas. Uh, if they do build a stadium, you'd think they'd want to have UFC events there, too. Their heart's still with the company they built, helped build. Anyway. So that was the big news this week. Uh, I know we talked about it already, that there was rumors about the sale and everything, and I thought they were trying to hype up the value. But um, The $4.2 number was thrown out there. And all the reports that I read, and then everywhere that you read the headlines now, it's just four billion flat. So I don't know where that uh, fluctuation comes from, but I thought that was sort of interesting. Did the value go down instead of up? <laughs> I wonder if I had anything to do with it. <laughs> Talking to that guy, if he's involved, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, you never know, Rich. Sometimes a tiny, a tiny acorn causes. Uh, Grows into a mighty oak tree. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. There you go. Six degrees of separation. All exactly, that good stuff. Exactly. So I'd like to think it was somebody involved in that deal, but you know the Fertitas are doing so many casino deals. It could be something related to that. You know, they're a public corporation too. So maybe his client is somebody that's thinking about uh, investing a lot of money in station casinos. Um, the guy didn't really seem to ask much about the UFC. He seemed to ask more about the Zions and that situation and what the Fertitas did there. So, I don't know. I think he was more interested in the family aspect, <laughs> their background, and, uh, you know, the, the running of the casinos. And they, did, they involved a lot of uh, interesting people with the Zions bankruptcy, too. And it's perfect timing for me to, you know, collect all my material and start writing a, a major book before they do put their hooks in the Oakland Raiders. Mm -hmm. I've already come up with a good moniker. I'm sure you guys are like this. You know the NFL, obviously, NFL. Yeah, of course. National Football League. But uh, I want it to stand for No Frank and Lorenzo. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. clever. No, Frank and Lorenzo. I don't think they should be involved, you know, because obviously they've had some issues with their contracts in the UFC. Very, uh, you know, exclusive to certain people, certain companies. Certain people get breaks that other people don't. It has nothing to do with seniority as much as it is popularity. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of flaws in, in the way that they draw up their contracts and lifetime rights to the uh, likenesses of, of fighters for video games and marketing and all that it's just very suspicious and, and uh, greedy so to speak to take all that from a guy who's 
literally bleeding and bruising himself up for, for the organization and you know breaking shit and training and in, in the cage at an event it's a brutal living so I mean these guys just took advantage of it every opportunity they could with a lot of these fighters and I hope that changes with the new organization I really do but um, why would you let those guys into the NFL to do the same thing and try to change the NFL like that? Because that's what they'll try to do. They'll treat it like a casino. You know, they'll, they'll try to cheat everybody. You know, <laughs> that's it, what it'll they be do. interesting to see how they clash with the uh, players' union. Yeah. That'll be kind of fun. I would, they're, they're not used to that. They're I, not used to that at all. I would imagine that would be a special kind of torture for a guy like Lorenzo, who was used to... Okay, but but really, know, what can they parties. do, though? They're, they're, I would think their hands are kind of tied on it, so... Kind yeah. of be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to look at the Raiders, too, though. They're not, they haven't done very good in the last few years, you know. They've had some good days and bad days in fantasy football, but I mean, as far as championships and playoffs, it's been miserable. Their last best hope was against us in that crazy game with the freaking uh, tuck rule with Brady. Oh, yeah. Last game in Gillette Stadium. It was the last time the Oakland Raiders had a chance to get into a huge game. So it's been a long time. And, and uh, I think uh, being somebody who has lived in Vegas, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, as like a, a champion for the Fertitas here to buy the Raiders and bring them to Vegas. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying a, a Raiders team would be a great fit in Vegas. I think just other people should be involved, not them. <clears throat> but they are already talking about moving it to Vegas, and the Fertitas are trying to be involved. But, you know, if they could come to Vegas without the Fertitas being involved, it would be a perfect area for them, I think. Even though it is a lot of tourist-based income and, and uh, residency, I think that team could do very well. Very well in Vegas, <clears throat> but we'll see if it all comes to fruition. I don't know, um, but it, it would make a lot of sense, you know, because who knows if uh, Lorenzo's kids actually become NFL players too, and they play for their freaking father's team. I mean, which that would be <laughs> fucking crazy, but it could happen. Um, so maybe that's why they're doing it now, so that they could, you know, have an opportunity to play for. Have their kids play for their team, <clears throat> the family team. Dream come true for them, I'm sure. So, I mean, if they're making these kind of moves, you gotta imagine that's what they're thinking. <laughs> Buying the Raiders, taking them to Vegas, putting it all on black. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> At the roulette wheel. So we had UFC no, 200. You were, you were uh, the, your boy Brian Kerr. That's what we did. We hit the roulette wheel all night. That's where I watched that kid from Kentucky drop like $1,200 on black in one hand. <laughs> See, when I go to Vegas, I, uh, the one time or a couple times I gambled, I just played blackjack. And I, I never left the blackjack table down. I didn't win a shitload of money. But I mean, one night I won over 100 bucks. But it was kind of hard not to win because it was like... I had a kid sitting next to me who was getting all the ones, I mean, all the twos and three cards. I mean, he, he just kept getting one miserable hand after another. <laughs> and, and then they only used one deck at a time. 
So if you're not good at counting cards, you can kind of figure shit out after you've seen a bunch of cards that, you know, hey, I'm due for an ace. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't that hard to make money there. But yeah. I, I never really played blackjack that much. I played, um, my game is crap. Mm -hmm. You know, but here's the funny thing is like, when I play crap for fun at like a um, charity event, Oh, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll roll so many straight um, points. You know, you got you know, you to come out with a seven. I'll roll like four sevens coming out. <laughs> and then I'll get like the points, say like the points um, eight or whatever. You know, I'll start rolling eights. And I'll be betting on the hard eight. I'll be rolling the hard eight. <laughs> I'll be there, everybody be clearing and everything. I go to the casino. I'll start off with a three so everybody loses their money. Then I'll roll again, and I'll be like, all right, the point is five. Okay, great. Then I'll roll a seven, and crap, it's all out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I play. I don't know. Hey, I have a serious gambling question here, since you guys seem to know a little bit about it. Is it possible, and I know this sounds stupid, okay, <laughs> but I'm asking for a reason. Is it possible okay. to have an edge when you play the slots? Yes, if you go to the right machine and you know how to check the um, the actual payout rate. Um, I don't know if it's by accident or what, but uh, actually my girlfriend's mother goes to the casino in Maine a lot and seems to win a lot of money, but I don't know if she does that. But I've heard before that if you go to the menu screen of a certain slot machine, obviously digital, uh, unless you're in an antique casino, <laughs> um, you, you uh, go to the uh, screen uh, that tells you the payout um, rate. Tom, I honestly, I honestly think it's just like literally, literally dumb luck. Um, Sometimes and and certain people have luck. I, I'll, I'll tell you two of them off the bat. I've won a few times. I've hit five hundred. You know, I hit two hundred. I've hit a hundred here and there. You know, nothing crazy. You know, nothing where I'm going to walk out and you know be jumping up and down. Um, but. When I was a kid growing up, and my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, and maybe like, and then another aunt would always take a bus trip down to Atlantic City because there was no casinos in Pennsylvania at the time. So they would take a bus trip down to Atlantic City, and you know, I'd give them all like, you know, a couple quarters. I was a kid; I didn't really have any money. I might give them like each, like you know, three or four dollars, and it would always, this would always come back. My mom, how'd you do? I didn't win anything. Grandma, how'd you do? Didn't win anything. And it was always Aunt Mary. Aunt Mary, I won 700. No, I won 800. It was always Aunt Mary. I don't know if she knew the machines <laughs> or if she was real religious and she went to church a lot. I don't know if that factored into it. Um, and the other person like that was um, was uh, Coach Ken Cooper from Lock Haven University. His mom, as we call her, Mama Coop. Um, like the one time we were out in uh, Reno, Nevada for the Nationals one year. And it was up. Mama Coop just won another 500. It was like, another 500 you know because she's already won a couple times you know everybody else was getting crushed oh, there's mama coop with you know another couple hundred you know <laughs> her whole trip was you know she profited well i'll tell you a tip yeah. if you go out to vegas tom and you try to use the slots out there uh if there's a guy named uh, sartini's name on it <laughs> It's probably not a good slot machine. He actually owns, he's actually married into the Fertitta family. He's married to one of the uh, Fertitta's, Frank Fertitta Jr.'s daughters. I think actually his only daughter. Um, and uh, he owns all the slot routes in Vegas, pretty much. All the major ones. So, 
The, the other thing about yeah, Vegas it, is they have slot machines and gas stations. You know, I would think that's got to yeah. be the worst place to try to win money is in a gas station. Well, see, the, the, re the, the reason airport. I'm asking you guys about this is for years um, through my tax business, there was um, a guy who had Alzheimer's, and he kept insisting that his daughter would pay for their trips uh, by winning at the slot machine whenever they, you know, when they'd go out of town. And I have a uh, unwritten rule about Alzheimer's folks agree with them. <laughs> we don't want to get into an argument. You know, they just say, okay, I'll be, I'll amuse them. But then when I started doing that client's daughter's return, year after year after year after year, in some years, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. And slot winnings. And she had the W2Gs to prove it, and it says right on there, slots. And I'm scratching my head thinking, what the hell? I mean, does she have weights in her? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, because I know when I was on the psychic line, I found out that the kind of brain stems that would call the psychic line were the same ones that played slots. <laughs> because they'd want, you know, right. and I'd want to give them lucky numbers, and, and they go, how do I use that in the slots? Well, you see, if your lucky number is eight, you go to row three, slot machine eight. I, I, I pick up some nonsense to run the meter up. But I, I just can't imagine someone consistently, year after year after year, winning at slots. Right. And this has been in many states. Well, it's all about playing if intelligently. I, if I, weren't, if, if I yeah. weren't doing the return, I don't think I'd believe it. And that's I mean, why if you I'm can't figure out what the payout of the machine I'm, is, if it's not a high rate, you know, and you're not winning on one machine, and maybe you move to the next one, maybe it's due for a payout, there's certain things you got to recognize. I don't know. Uh, there's got to be all I kinds mean, of I, tricks. I'm almost tempted just to ask her. I'll say, you know, right. tell you what, let's let's make a little barter arrangement. Maybe she's using a fake TV. slug. <laughs> Maybe she's doing one of those tricks. Yeah, there was one guy in I Vegas that, that went for millions to using a fake slug, and you could yank back uh, a device. They called it. You know, you get your arms broken back in the day that he was doing it, but he made a lot of money. Well, yeah, exactly. Because I kind of just intuitively figured out that. Well, I got to Las Vegas, and thank God I don't have the gambling bug. I had enough addictions out there without that. But, I mean, I just <laughs> knew that those casinos aren't built from some jerk-off like me going out there and just going in and coming out with, you know, a lot of money from it, especially the slots. Yeah. Where's the skill? I mean, I understand in blackjack, I understand uh, the crafts, all that stuff, you can get systems. I get it. But slots? Yeah, it doesn't make know. a whole lot of sense. But uh, there are ways. I mean, that's the one tip I've heard officially. I've heard that years ago. I never really made a lot of money in slots in Vegas. I never tried much, but I did hear years ago that uh, I think it was my friend's mother said that you have to look at the uh, the menu screen and it will tell you the ratio of pays payouts that particular game gives you. And uh, obviously, you want to stay away from gigantic, brand new game slot games because mm -hmm. uh, the the production value is where the money goes, and that's not coming out to you. Um, mm. So I'd say the older machines probably pay out better. I don't know. There's probably a, a books about it that you could read before you go out there if you really want to try to make money off them. But <clears throat> uh, you know, anything with computers, it's it's not just luck. It's pattern. You know who we should really get on the show to talk about this, if we could, uh, if he wasn't in jail for tax evasion, is the original founder of science, Russell Pike. 
He was a big time gambler, uh, so the story goes. And uh, actually, he was the adopted son uh, of a. His real father was a gambler in China. That's what I heard from his uh, brother. But uh, he swore he was an expert in pattern recognition. And uh, I talked to one of his in-laws who told me at one point that he would go to casinos and, you know, play poker and everything with him and leave with, a, like, a Chevy Blazer from the casino, brand new. Uh, and on football games, you know, he would just have these impulsive bets and, and uh, win, win hundreds of thousands of dollars in one swoop. But, you know, obviously when you do that kind of shit, you lose just as much every now and then. So... But he swore he was an expert in pattern recognition. That's how he can do it. <clears throat> Crazy guy. Crazy guy. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, we had a couple interesting UFC fights uh, last week. We had, obviously, um, the UFC uh, Ultimate Fighter there finale one night. We had a, uh, a fight night before that. It's hard to keep up. I don't even know how. <laughs> we had, uh, Jesus, we had USC 200, we had uh, Claudia Gadella versus uh, Joanna Jedrzejczyk there. Um, you know, the Ultimate Fighter fights, and they're, uh, they were interesting, but I'm not going to talk a lot about them. The major one was the main event there, and uh, burying the hatchet basically. Joanna, or Joanna, as they call her, and uh, Claudia. Claudia, I mean, had a very tough first couple rounds. Um, looked massively improved over the performance in the last fight, but just could not keep up that pace. And then Joanna just said, all right, I'm just going to settle back and find my range and, and stop fighting on the ground. Um, fifth round, she just took over. It was pretty brutal. But, uh, then, of course, the, the big news at UFC 200, uh, pretty much all the fights, I thought, went as expected, except for the main events, because Misha Tate uh, supposedly was ducking Holly Holm by taking Amanda Nunes, and Amanda, R.N. Cedar, took her out by rear naked choke in the first round. And, uh, obviously, that's career-changing for Amanda Nunes and uh, Misha Tate must feel like, I mean, she can't win anymore. It's like, no. I, I mean, it's, it, it, it's almost like we're seeing a hot potato belt. You know yeah. I mean? It's just that one, one and done. I mean, hopefully yeah. Steve can uh, stop that trend. But, wow. I mean, that's across the board. Um, you know, actually, Stipe, as you mentioned him, um, Broke the Cleveland curse, I guess. You know, the Cavaliers come back from 0-3. Yeah. And we never talked about that, but Jesus Christ, Tom. You <laughs> said it. You said it. You mentioned it. I never heard there was a curse that had been that long. You know, and then, pff, you were like, hey, you know, Stipe can break it. And pff, that was yeah, epic. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as far as I was concerned, people would talk about it, and I'd say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not really a big basketball fan, but I said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there is no curse now. It's done. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, here we go. Stipe. Um, Stipe did it. That's, that's my theory. Anyway. <clears throat> All right, so, yeah, Amanda Nunes came in at 13-4. and four. Misha 
18 and 6 in the first round loss. Brock Lesnar, as we mentioned, uh, handled Mark Hunt over three rounds. He did come out with a mean shiner. Let's see the press press conference photos of him. Looking like um, it's not just WWE makeup on there. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, now, what about speculation? Uh, will he fight again? Uh, yes. What, what do you guys think? Yes. Especially with the new owners. Um, yes. Well, it, it worked out great for him the last time. And he made a lot of money. And, and that, it's going to work out great for Vince McMahon, too. So... That says all signs point to yes. I'm going to use Tom's magic eight ball. All signs point to yes. Right. Uh, the other thing too is uh, the Rock, not just Brock, but the Rock, is managed uh, or they their contract. Um, one of the contracts of the agency that uh, Emmanuel runs, who is now the co-CEO of one of the ownership interests. Hey, that's The Rock. I mean, that's one of their main clients is him. So, obviously, he has a connection to WWE, and uh, maybe that's not the only guy. That, I mean, that's what the one that's being mentioned in all the articles. But uh, that's kind of why, actually, uh, Ronda Rousey at one point came out in the media and said that she wanted her career to be modeled around The Rock because she met him through the agency, the talent agency. So, Big implications, and you know, like Tom said earlier, six degrees of separation. I mean, all this, this new networking is opening up with this deal. Um, you've got on one side of this deal all these investment companies that have the capital, kind of like uh, premier boxing champions, but they didn't steal the money. <laughs> They're getting it willingly here. Um, so it's all kinds of implications for where they could uh, invest with this and go with this, and uh, you know. And, tie in Hollywood, tie in the WWE because where you had the Fertitas involved and Dana White they didn't want to do any co-promotion none of it, right? Very exclusive on that now they don't have any controlling interests so they can't say what the fuck this company is going to do or not do Um, so that's the interesting part to me is what's going to happen there Uh, but it's interesting seeing them relegated to second place in this Uh, Dana White though still get his hooks in so I don't know how good or bad that's going to be or if that's going to last. <clears throat> but one phrase comes to mind specifically as I think about what might happen in the long run, and that's business as usual. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, that was the uh, the Strike Force line when the UFC bought Strike Force. Yeah, it's going to be business as usual. And what happened to Strike Force? Within, yeah, within yeah. a couple of years, it was fucking dissolved. Uh, I, I think that was uh, said about the WEC. Yeah. Because initially, uh, I went to a live WEC event in Las Vegas back in 2007, and they were foreign-owned then, if you remember. Right. And then I think the UFC bought them, what, 2009, 2010? How long did that business as usual last? Yeah. Uh, also at uh, UFC 200, by the way, Daniel Cormier handily uh, took care of uh, Anderson Silva, although Silva had his bright moments when he wasn't on his back. He uh, connected on some good shots here and there. So and no Cormier one. was booed. Man, he can't win for trying. You yeah. know, poor Daniel. <laughs> uh, Jose Aldo got himself back into belt contention. He's got the interim belt now, beating uh, Frankie Edgar by unanimous decision in their rematch. Cain Velasquez destroyed Travis Brown. TKO, three seconds left in the first round. Just, no uh, shock there. Him. Mm-hmm. 
But I've been saying for years, well, maybe for over a year, that Travis Brown needs work on his defense. And, you know, leave it to a guy like Cain Velasquez to expose that. <clears throat> but uh, TKO from punches, no surprise there. And uh, like I said before this fight, it depends on which Travis Brown shows up. You know, is it going to be the disciplined guy we've seen here and there who, uh, you know, does have a little defense and uses all the cage? Or is it going to be fighting Irish logo guy with this <laughs> hands way out and in he, space? And he, he answered the question. Yeah. Uh, and one of the most um, interesting fights I thought on the whole card was Juliana Pena. Just dominating Kat Zingano. Unanimous decision there. Uh, pretty interesting fight. Uh, Pena, Pena used a lot of grappling and um, just bare technique to uh, yeah. stifle everything Kat Zingano tried. <laughs> nothing worked. So that was, that was an interesting fight to me. And I don't usually say that about decisions. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, also, Kelvin Gastelum kept himself alive in the organization. You, you had the feeling that if he lost another fight, you know, maybe UFC would cut him. But uh, he beat Johnny Hendricks, who you have to be wondering about uh, his fall from grace. Another loss. And then, then Hen Hendricks missing weight again. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then an interesting one, uh, TJ, <laughs> TJ Dillashaw beating Rafael Asenseo by uh, unanimous decision. Looked like... The old TJ, uh, very in control most of the fight, and uh, you know had the blood flowing pretty early and often on his opponent. But uh, I didn't see anything that's going to beat uh, Dominic. I really didn't see any improvement that's going to be to that level. It's just it was a perfect matchup for him, Rafael. It's just shorter reach guy, shorter period guy. So just. Different style for him. Sage Northcutt uh, got a unanimous decision as well over Enrique Marin. That was a you know brutal fight in itself. Uh, this one I didn't see, unfortunately. Joe Lazon, a guy I've seen at events in Massachusetts, a guy from Massachusetts, brother fought as well. Uh, demolished Diego Sanchez, 126 into the first round by TKO. I don't know. Did you see that one time? No, you really got to wonder if Diego needs to hang it up. You know what I mean? Wow. And Gigard Musasi, speaking of strike force, he is a strike force uh, carryover, as you might say. Got a win over Tiago Santos in the second fight of the night and uh, got the TKO, obviously. Uh, first round, 432 into the first round. Jim Miller as well. Uh, talk about a guy who needed a win. Uh, maybe not to stay in the UFC, but to kind of stay relevant. He was in the first fight of the night, and I, I talked about this last week. Huh? This, this is how you know it's UFC 200 when Jim Miller is in the first fight of the night against uh, Takanori Gomi. And uh, the fireball went out like a fireball. <laughs> yeah. 218 sure into the first round, he oh. was sitting on the bench on his uh, on a stool. Out. And then a very uh, interesting card last night. Just last night, I kind of accidentally stumbled upon it. I couldn't believe there was that many fights going on in a week. Um, but here we got another one. Uh, we had main event John Lineker versus Michael McDonald. Talking about rock'em, sock'em, robots. They each had each other's hurt at different points in this fight. And 
it only went 243 into the first round, but it seemed like a five-round fight wrapped up into one Yeah, round. exactly. Uh, Brutal. Yeah, Brutal. that, that, that Linegar, you know, guys. 135, I keep telling myself, that's where Roberto Duran got his start, oh. 135. It's nasty. You know, uh, <laughs> have a lot of power in that division. And uh, John Lineker continues to prove himself as just a, a rising star in the UFC. And oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a monster. Very there. impressive. 28 and 7 is his record, and uh, he got the KO. But uh, it's not, it's not without wading through a lot of knockout punches from Michael McDonald, who uh, was no slouch himself in this one. And uh, Lineker just you know had the better chin, and I thought had the, just a better range for his hooks, which is what really did. Hooks and uppercuts just destroyed McDonald and just left him slumped over and you know not even couldn't even look at the guy just blasted him with so many punches uh then we had uh, tony ferguson in the co-main event beaten up on uh, landon venata and uh got him in a uh, brabo choke submission twos were wild what? second oh, round you tell me that wasn't entertaining and Venata, yeah, Venata was another guy who, um, I think he was more submissions than anything, but uh, yeah, he he had him, uh, Tony Ferguson rocked a couple times too with some uh, back fists, and it's a, it's a pretty crazy fight. And uh, Josh Salmon looked like a uh, salmon out of water against Tim Boach. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you know, oh. Tim, I was questioning Salmon's uh, whole approach. Right. I mean, he just seemed like he wanted the ball. And Tim Boach is the, the wrong guy. I mean, it, it gets back to that Teddy Atlas cliche. <laughs> Don't fight the other guy's fight and give him his best and maybe only chance to win. I mean, I think Sam and Hep was far more skilled. But, you know, you, you want to play that game, look what happened. Right. I um, mean, it's good to see you here that Tim is training up in Maine. Bangor, Maine, and uh, connected to a lot of people involved in New England fights, which actually their next event is going to be a Dana White looking for a fight event. They're naming the whole thing after Dana. And it's, uh, it's hey, coming, hey, coming Rich, uh, are you, how's your weight doing? Yeah, right. Hey. <laughs> I don't know if that would be All a good right. thing for me and Dana White to be in the same building at once. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe uh, you could say that was that other uh, Rich Bergeron, not yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna maybe fight under an assumed name for that. There you go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and, and put and put on a good show. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is Sam Adams coming up here. Have you heard of this guy? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, my coach is fighting in it, so. My coach will be in front of him, uh, the mustache, Mike Hansen. And I'm, uh, I'm seriously thinking about uh, September 10th, either September 10th or whatever one they have to, after that. That's going to be my, my debut. Because <clears throat> I think I can get down to at least 205 by then. I've been kind of uh, bouncing over 200 for a few weeks. I haven't been consistently running or anything. I haven't been spending enough time in Maine with the dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I think How's uh, doing? he's doing all right. He's uh, he's kind of adjusting to uh, you know new new life because uh, uh -huh. Holly's got a new boyfriend, so 
Oh. He's moved right in. He's not really the hiking type, so. He's probably gonna miss me for a couple weeks. <laughs> Poor guy. Alright, I'll get back up there. I'm gonna do at least three weeks up there in a row before uh, before I get into a debut match. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, watching a guy like John Lineker makes me believe a lot in boxing. <laughs> the capability to dominate a particular division with good boxing. Yep. Uh, the, hand, the hand is quicker than the foot. Right. I'm pretty decent with my feet, too, for a guy who never really liked to kick in fights. <clears throat> uh, another fight on uh, last night's card. Daniel Omelanchik versus Alexei Olenek. That was a brutal back-and-forth fight. Uh, uh, Omelanchik got the majority decision there. Uh, Kyle Noak also lost to Kita Nakamura by Runica Choke. The second round with one second left in the round. Oof. Yeah, th that... You know, people who haven't been in a situation like that might question and say, well, you know, it was only one second. And I know, did you notice, Rick, his corner was yelling at him. And, and they were telling him the time. But w but when you're caught, believe me, sometimes one second can seem a lot longer than one second. Right. right. Uh, that, that, that reminds me of Force Pets when he uh, had to tap out to uh, Marcus Davis yeah. uh, when they fought. One That's who's actually uh, working with Tim Boach right now is the Irish hand grenade, Marcus Davis. Yeah, yes. That's fine. Uh, we also had uh, Caitlin uh, Chukagian. Oh, that's a weird name. Uh, beat out uh, Lauren Murphy by unanimous decision. Uh, Louis Smoka beat Ben Nguyen by TKO in the second round, 441. And our former guest, smiling Sam Alvey, finally picked up a win in the UFC after some uh, back and forth uh, opportunities. He, he was always like uh, getting real quick fights one after another, and then you know it looks like he's got a full training camp in for this one against Eric Spicely. He got him in the first round, 243 in by guillotine choke. Yeah, good, good for him. <clears throat> and uh, Courtney Casey, another female fight, uh, beat Christina Stanchu by TKO in the first round from elbows, 236 into that one. Scott Holtzman got a unanimous decision over Cody Fister. Rami Yaya beat Matthew Lopez by arm triangle choke, uh, 4-1-9 into the third. Uh, we had Alex Nicholson beat Devin Clark by knockout, 4-57 into the first. Three seconds left. A lot of uh, seconds at a time there, influencing these uh, decisions, these uh, outcomes. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Uh, whenever I see a situation like that with one second left, I'm always reminded of uh, one of the fight cards I went to. One of the first fight cards I went to when uh, I created Fight News Unlimited down in Iowa, and the announcer, I mean. He was kind of making up his own rules because I'd never seen at all the other events I'd been to locally um, anybody count down the final 10 seconds out loud. Usually it's your corner yelling at you what time you got left. But this guy was counting down the last 10 seconds since this kid, uh, the local kid, was in uh, every round he was in a chokehold at the end of it. So... <laughs> 
he's winning the fight against a UFC veteran. Uh, and he ends up in this chokehold at the end of the third round. And uh, the announcer is going 10, 9, 8. And he gets to 2. And on the way to 1. And the kid passes out. Ref stops the fight. And I was just like, for for a guy who lost, that kid is the hero, you know, for not tapping out. He passed out at the very last second. I mean, that's to me his heart. That's a lot of heart. <laughs> uh, but he tried. I mean, he had that fight won. Unfortunately, he just couldn't <laughs> couldn't take home the trophy. And you know, any given Sunday, anything happens. Anything can happen. But yeah, that was the type of card that was. And uh, there's a lot of uh, hubbub about Manny Pacquiao coming back to box. It's not official. Oh, it didn't take that long, did it? Nope. Nope. Already some rumbling. But I thought it was very interesting that Brock Lesnar took home 2.5 million for three rounds of action against uh, against uh, Mark Hunt there. Black Eye. That's a very expensive Black Eye. <laughs> <laughs> 2.5 mil. Uh, more power to him, I guess. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if other UFC fighters can make that much now. <clears throat> or not. But uh, Sergey Kovalev over the weekend got a big win over Isaac Chalimba. Um, Mario Barrios also won over Devin Balciero on July 9th. And uh, I, remember, I think I remember last week we were talking about how there wasn't really a whole heck of a lot of big, huge fights going on last week. Some interesting ones this week, though. Always got PBC action going on. PBC! The other thing I wonder too is um, is the whole uh, Mayweather versus McGregor thing going to happen now that the Fertitas aren't in charge of the UFC? May we see that if uh, if McGregor can beat uh, Diaz in round two? Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility now. They can co-promote. Actually, an uh, interesting guy fighting tomorrow night. Uh, Joshua Claudi is fighting in uh, in Ghana tomorrow night. Uh, Thirty nine and five at super lightweight. He's fighting Anderson Clayton, who's forty four and ten. Also on that card, Joseph Egbeko, who's thirty and five, fighting Haji Juma, who's sixteen and eight. Pretty interesting. What a warrior that guy is. Uh, the big ESPN card coming up this weekend. Uh, actually, former guest of ours, Leon Margulez, is the promoter. He's worked with the PBC people before. He's got uh, the main event of uh, Sergey Lipinets, 9-0 at Super Lightweight, fighting Walter Castillo, who's 26-3-1. Also, um, don't even 
send any letters for this pronunciation because I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to give it my disclaimer up front. Tugstsogdnyambayar. He is 5-0 at featherweight in the co-main event. Fighting uh, Rafael Vasquez, who has a very easy to pronounce name. <laughs> it's a 16 and 2. And then we got TVA. You got to watch out for TVA, especially when he's fighting uh, on Friday. Yeah. TVA will fuck you up on a Friday. <laughs> but he's fighting uh, Joey Bryant, who's 15 and 0 at lightweight. Good luck, TVA. You're going to need it. Uh, and you got a heavyweight fight in the mix. I don't know if it's going to be on TV, but Justin Jones comes in at 18-0-1, fighting Terrence Marbra, who's 8-3. And, and then, you know, the filler fights. <clears throat> but then uh, we got uh, another one at Fantasy Springs Casino in California. It's Friday night. Jason Velez, 23-2-1 at Super Featherweight, fighting Renee Alvarado, who's 23-7 and in the main event. Then you got Rashidi Ellis, undefeated, 15-0 at welterweight, fighting Luis Hernandez, who's 13-1. Uh, we got fights in Rhode Island tomorrow night for some local titles. Angel Camacho Jr. coming in at 15-0, light heavyweight, against Kevin Cobbs, who's 10-2. For the USA New England Light Heavyweight title and the Universal Boxing Federation International Light Heavyweight title. Then you got uh, co main event Thomas Falowo, who is 14 and 3, fighting Chris Chapman, who's 13, 5 and 1 at middleweight for the USA New England Middleweight title. And I want to say I've seen Chris Chapman fight before in Boston, but I could be wrong. Just name sounds familiar. <coughs> I'm getting a uh, boxing Rain Man moment, Tony. <laughs> the boxing Rain Man is clicking in. Uh, we, got, we got fights on uh, Friday in Kissimmee, Florida. Main event: Orlando Cruz at Super Featherweight, 23-4-1, fighting Alejandro Valdez, who's 26-72. It's for the WBO NABO Super Featherweight title. I've seen Cruz before. I can't say I've seen Valdez. Um, Cruz and Baylor fighter though. He sounds evenly matched. I think the other thing too about the the UFC buyout is a lot of those people are going to be in place too. The matchmakers and stuff, Sean Shelby and um, Joe Silva, will both probably keep their jobs for a significant period of time. So, for some of it, it will be business as usual. But, yeah, it'll be interesting if the boxing thing comes in. But uh, on Saturday, over at Max Schmeling Hall in Berlin, there's a pretty big fight at Super Middleweight for the WBA World Super Middleweight title and the Global Boxing Union World Super Middleweight title. Super Middleweight uh, Tyrone Zug. 18 and 0 fighting Giovanni D. Carolus, who is 24 and 6. And then we got Arthur Abraham in the co-main event there. He is 44 and 5, super middleweight. So fighting Tim Robin Lee Haug, who is 15 and 1. That's for the vacant WBO International Super Middleweight title. Vacant. I love how they call these belts vacant. Like somebody just left it somewhere. Now they want you guys to fight for it. We're just gonna. I'm take it from you because <laughs> instead of making for it, what we're going to do is take it from you and make two guys for it. Yeah. 
And then we got uh, Ramona Kuhn, 24-1, fighting Ikram Kerwat, who is 6-0. That's at Super Featherweight for the World, WBO World Female Super Featherweight title and the Women's International Boxing Federation World Super Featherweight title. It's a big fight there. That's pretty much it for that one. And uh, you got to have a Jesus fight of the week. Oh, we still. And of course, you know, with this week it's going to be Roman Catholic territory, Italy. Orlando Fiordigiglio. How's that, Tony? Is that a good Italian name? I love it. Fiordigiglio. Fiordigiglio. <laughs> there it is. It just rolls off the tongue. He is 24 and 1 at Super Welterweight, and he is fighting Carmelito de Jesus. <laughs> it's 18 and 4. I'm sure it's De Jesus, but you know, Jesus by the week. 18 and 4. Is this Jesus? And it's for a title. Jesus is fighting for a title in Italy. Uh, vacant. It's vacant. Somebody left it on the street. IBF Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. <clears throat> Pretty cool. But uh, nothing really outrageous on the rest of that card. Here's one in Mexico. I'm definitely going to butcher this guy's name, but it's for, it's for the interim WBO <laughs> World Super Featherweight title. Uh, this guy's easy. Miguel Burchelt. He is 29-1 Super Featherweight. He is fighting in Mexico against John Latarn. That's his first name. Pierre And you're not going to believe this guy's fucking record. I'm going to have to check it out myself right. later because it's 61-2. Two losses, 61 wins to a guy who's fighting 29 and 1. That's, that's the only fight on the card, too. It's a special, special fight there. So I don't know. I got I to gotta definitely check out this guy's record. See who he fought. 61 and 2. That's the guy who should be fighting for a title. I don't care if he fought Obama. 61 and 2. Wow. Record to be proud of. I don't even have a record like that in table tennis. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we wouldn't have a weekend without a big fight card in the UK. Over in Wales, we got a big one. Liam Williams, 14-0-1, fighting Gary Corcoran, 15-0. It's for the Commonwealth Super Welterweight title and the BBB of C British Super Welterweight title. And we got a world title on the line at lightweight WBO. Terry Flanagan, good Irish name, 30-0 at lightweight, fighting um, Zonke Fana, who is 38-9 for the WBO title there. And then uh, Rigando is on this card. Fighting in the UK is kind of interesting. He is 16-0, uh, and 0, Guillermo Rigando. 16-0. and 0. Just rolls off the tongue right there, too. At uh, Super Bantamweight, he is fighting James Dickens. Not related to Charles. He is 22-1. Uh, it's Super Bantamweight. It's for WBA Super Bantamweight title. Super World Super Bantamweight title. Wow. Wow. Super. It's really super. 
Uh, and then an Intercontinental Middleweight title for the WBO on the line between Tommy Langford, 16-0, and Timo Lane, who is 15-6. Uh, we got Bradley Skeet, 23-1, and, and Alexander Lapelli, who is 19-6-1. And, and how about this for a boxer's name? Joe Pigford, 10-0, fighting <laughs> Sam Omidi, who is 4-2 uh, with one draw. Pigford. Yeah, I'm going to watch the Pigford fight. <laughs> I'll be right back. What? Whoa. Another one in the United Kingdom. Um, I don't even know which one to call the mismatch of the week. There's one guy, Kevin McCauley, on here. His record is 11 wins, 120 losses, and 8 draws. <clears throat> And he's fighting, and uh, you know, not that God has anything to do with this matchup, but he's fighting a guy named Rick Godding, G-O-D-D-I-N-G, and his record is 22-1-1 and at Super Welterweight, so I think Kevin McCauley is going to take a dive in this one. <laughs> Just my instinct. Uh, yeah. All right, so now we're at page three on Box Rec. But all right, uh, I think we've got uh, Chon Latar with his two losses. Uh, not surprising, he's from Thailand, Chon Latar. Let's see who he fought. Oh, all right. A lot of people from Thailand, believe it or not. He fought Chris John. That's one of his losses. 47-0-2 is his record when he fought Chris John back in 2012. He's a tough little guy. Yeah. Okay, the other loss was to a guy named Vasily Lomachenko. Two and one. That's a big Very name. And that was his only other fight outside of Thailand, believe it or not. Except for this this upcoming one in Mexico. So he doesn't he doesn't leave his home country a lot, which might explain most of that wreck, but he's fought a lot of tough fighters in Thailand. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have uh, a bunch of bums on his record by any means. Mostly winning record guys. You know, early days he fought one guy who was 12 and 23. But uh, one guy who was 0 and 1, but that was his second fight. Since then, he's pretty much fought everybody with a winning record. So, if you're in Mexico, you better check this one out. Oh, he fought a guy who was 8 and 12 once. But yeah, this is not a uh, this is not a built-up record. 61 wins, 41 KOs, by the way. No KO losses. But Chon Latarn Piriapino. Pino. Look him up, Tony. There's a trivia question. There's a trivia question I bet you could stump somebody with. Who lost to Chris John? And Vasily Lomachenko has 61 wins and 41 knockouts. <laughs> well, you know what? Then you, what you have to look at it because Lomachenko hasn't had a lot of fights. Right. So you'd have to you know, go there because Chris, Chris John had a lot of fights, you know. So you'd have to pick some guys like Lomachenko fault. Um, And, you know, and I've watched several of his fights, too. And 
Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm, it's, it's not coming to me, and I, I've probably seen the fight, which pisses me off. <laughs> oh, oh, and of course we got to talk about the the big fight uh, on Fox, Fox Sports One and Fox. Uh, Deontay Wilder, big heavyweight world champion, WBC world heavyweight title on the line here, and our boy, former guest of ours, Chris Ariola, got another shot yep. at it, another crack at the belt. Now, what I think is going to hurt Ariola in this fight, um, you know, he came off that very close, controversial win over Travis Kaufman, and he was down and he was hurt pretty bad in that fight. Now, Kaufman, um, you know, I, I know him. I've, you know, um, you know, been to a couple of his fights. And, you know, he, he's a good puncher, um, but I don't think he's a Deontay Wilder type puncher. And, I mean, he had Ariola down and hurt pretty bad. And Ariola is a guy that he's a face-first fighter. Now, what he would have to do to win this fight is, I mean, literally balls to the wall. When he fought Vitaly Klitschko, who is about the same size and body type as Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, he stayed right on the outside, and he was just getting rammed, you know, by that jab. And by a straight right hand, it was a one-two, a one-two, and a one-two, and he had no answer for it. Um, and that, you know, spelled his demise. So when you go into this fight now, it's like if he tries to stay on the outside and he and he's not moving his head to get inside, forget it. It's over. One-two, 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 and he's going to get busted up again, or one of them right hand's going to land on the chin, and it's going to be over. Um, so he's going to have to get in there. He's going to have to use type of head movement. He's going to have to, um, you know, really make angles, get it inside, and really rough water up and hopefully overwhelm him. Yeah, body shots. crack, Rib cracking body well, shots. Yeah, the, uh, the odds makers on this, um, check this out now. Uh, the champion will arrive with a four-inch edge in height and a seven-inch seven inch edge in reach, and it'll take a $5,000 outlay on Wilder to recoup a mere $100 profit. That's Bovada LV. While a $100 flyer on the Challenger would yield a $1,400 windfall in the event of a big upset in the champ's home state. I would put a hundred wow. bucks on him just to, just to say I did. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, um, I mean, just to say we support our former guests anyway. And if I was in Vegas, can't do that up here in New Hampshire. But yeah, this is for the okay, WBC and, World and, Heavyweight and, title. And then, then here, here's another one that Wilder is minus 3,700 and Ariola is plus 1,850. Wow. Woo! Psychic Tom has the stats. Woo! <laughs> Wow. All I right. mean, uh, you, you just kind of wonder. I mean, why is Ariola even showing up according to the odds makers? But, hey, sometimes when they're this far on a whack, <laughs> wouldn't so, that be a shocker? So what's your pro, yeah. uh, prognostication on the decision? Uh, or, I mean, on the well, I, Who's I, I would love to roll the dice, but, um, yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, Ariola just too many times, no cigar. So Deontay's right. going down. And, and I think you, you got a, you got a big guy, you got a physical guy, long arms, and it's going to be one two, one two, one two. It's not no. even going to have to be anything more than that. 
and he's going to let, and, and, and Muhammad can let Ariola do all the work. He can let Ariola come right in and just time him with the one two, and that's yeah. and Ariola doesn't have a good defense that to um, you know, get away from that. Yeah, again, Styles make fights, and this one could get ugly. Well, I'll give Deontay the reach and uh, the knockout power, but Chris Ariola has a little bit more ring experience. Um, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. And, Sometimes uh, that's not always good, though, man. The effects of them wars. Uh, give him a puncher's chance. Give him, definitely give him a puncher's chance. Does he have a Nate Diaz chance? I don't know. But uh, just because you guys go with Deontay, I'm going to go with Chris. I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. Go. Well, I, mean, I, I hope Upset. he makes it a fight. Upset. I really hope he makes it a fight. I mean, I'm <clears throat> nothing against Wilder, but I'd just like to see it. But he didn't look good you his know, last some... time on uh, on um, Premier Boxing Champions. I do remember that. He did not look good. But hopefully he goes back to the gym and, and fixes some shit. And I'm going for the miracle. Going for it. Put okay, well, hey, it's 100 him. bucks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Vasquez uh, in the co-main event. He's uh, a guy to root for, too. He is a welterweight at 21-0, undefeated. And he's a veteran. So, you know, Tony and I obviously support that. We do 22 push-ups a day to support our veterans. <laughs> right. You and, know what? Uh, and actually, um, my trainee was over last night, and I got her doing them. So, as I had her in a couple of my videos, now she had me in her one of her videos. Awesome. That's how it happens. Uh, it's kind of too bad because uh, what's his name? You know, uh, our boy Yano's buddy kind of came up with that concept before the uh, push-ups for paralysis, and it never caught on. But <laughs> this one is catching on—the twenty-two kill. So it's interesting to see, but it's too bad the other one wasn't uh, as popular. Anyway, uh, the other fight on this uh, welterweight card, the welterweight fight on this card is Jamal James, 19 and 0, fighting Wally Omotoso, who's 26 and 2. So a lot of these undefeated guys getting a uh, big test. Erickson Lubin, speaking of undefeated guys, he's uh, 15 and 0, super welterweight fight here against Ivan Montero, who's only got one loss, 20 wins, and uh, another buddy of mine. Even though we never interviewed him. Vic Darchinian, 42-81. Yeah. I call him the Praying Mantis at Superman Wayne. He's fighting Enrique Covedo, 16-7-1. And, and uh, he's actually coached just by the same guy uh, who coaches Ronda Rousey. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Because uh, Vic's not really changed his style over the years. He's just pretty much all haymakers now. And uh, just has not looked good in his last few fights. He's lost three out of his last four. Uh, so has not looked good in his last couple of fights, and here he's got an opportunity on a PBC card. Uh, but here's another name that might uh, concern you, Tony. We haven't seen this guy in a while. Ray Austin, 29-7-4 heavyweight, fighting Gerald Washington. 17. I remember Ray Austin, and you're right. I haven't seen him in a while. A lot of bad knockouts on his record, but he's won two out of his last four, so this could be a battle against Gerald Washington. Uh, Layla McCarter, blast from the past on the female side at welterweight. She is 37-13-5, fighting Melissa Hernandez, who's 22-6-3. No title or anything, but it's an interesting fight. Just tough to bottom, a crazy uh, stacked card. Unbelievable. BBC. It's got a good one. This guy, a guy who's got a great record. 
Twos are wild on this guy's record fighting in uh, Virginia on Saturday. Stephen McIntyre, his record is 2, 22, and 2. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, numerology here. 2, 4, 8. <laughs> oh, well, boy. For and, persistence uh, pays. Never give up, young man. Never give up. Sometimes. Right. Mm. Some tough big guys. Uh, a guy, we've got stuff on this on on our website actually. Uh, from the Masonic Tape Temple down there in Detroit, Michigan, on Saturday, the main event is Andy Ruiz Jr. twenty-seven and zero at heavyweight, fighting Josh Gormley, who's twenty-two and four, and also cruiserweights uh, Demetrius Banks seven and zero, fighting Eric George, who's four and eleven. Those are two big-time cards fights on that card. But we got stuff on our blog about that. So you'll see that now we're into Sunday on the schedule. Usually stuff going on in Japan on Sunday. Nothing huge. Oh, oh, oh. Mismatch of the week from Tokyo, I believe. Even though this guy's got a winning record. Uh, Kenshiro Usui. Super Bantamweight. He's 25-4 and four fighting Hikaru Maru game, who is 5-1. and one. With one draw uh, over there in Tokyo. That's the main event. Sort of a mismatch. Uh, and here's an interesting one over in Osaka. Shingo Wake. He is 20, well, has 20 wins, 4 losses, 2 draws at Super Bantamweight. He is fighting Jonathan Guzman, who is 21-0 for the vacant IBF Super Bantamweight title. World title. We also have a couple guys with one loss fighting for the WBA World Flyweight title. Kazuto Ioka, 19-1, fighting Kevin Lara, who's 18-1-1. And we got some uh, Japanese titles on the line between some other guys. That's pretty much it till next Thursday. Well, we got another big uh, ESPN card. They're they're doing a lot of quick turnarounds. They're doing a lot of fights now. I guess this would be their normal Friday night fight season. They're doing uh, PBC now on ESPN. There's one uh, in Foxwoods next Thursday. Sergey Derevyanchenko, eight zero at middleweight, fighting Sam Solomon, who's forty four and thirteen in the main event there. Yevgen you were Kir 44. I thought that was his age, but I thought you think he might be older than that. Yeah. He is probably older. He's <laughs> probably like 54. No, no, he's not at all. Yevgen uh, Kirtov uh, is 13-0 in the co-main event at middleweight. He's fighting Paul Mendez, 19-2-2. And we got a lot of TBAs. Lots of TBAs, including our former guest, Shelly. Shelly Vincent, 17-0 with featherweight. Shalito is her full name. She was, was a great interview. Um, you know, crazy story, crazy background, but, um, you know, committed to the sport and is still undefeated, so that's good to see. And she's got that TBA, you know. Obviously, for her, in her case, that stands for Tough Bitch Anonymous. I don't know. Tough fight uh, next Thursday for her, so hopefully they'll. Um, Televise that. She's got the Rocky Marciano tattoo too, so. Oh, nice. For Tony to love her. Uh, speaking of Rocky, that was a hell of a story there, Tony. About Rocky. Like that. Yeah, well, I remember that. 
And uh, uh, all I gotta say is move over Will Chamberlain if all that shit about his yeah, sex escapades right. is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, Rocky got you put to shame. I thought that was funny, though. That's, that's, you know, a guy that knows that he can go. I already knew that he could go wherever he wanted to go by making a phone call, you know, and it was never to a cab. He wouldn't need a cab, wouldn't need anybody to pay the check. You know, so it makes sense that he'd want to be with a different girl every single night he was on the road, if he could. Never the same one twice. Never the same again. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, I, I wonder how much of that his wife knew while this was going on. Well, apparently a lot, because the grandmother in the story tells the daughter that she should have got a divorce. <laughs> So that tells you, yeah, she obviously knew a lot about what was going on. She was not fooled. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, and Rocky, and, and from a lot of the stories I heard, really, really couldn't stand his wife. You know? Well, she was a smoker. You know, the fact, she was smoker. a heavy smoker. She was a heavy drinker. Rocky didn't either. You know? And, and the fact that she was severely obese. Yeah. You know, and, and Rocky Dance, the fitness fanatic. You know what else I really loved about it? And, of course, I didn't know this 25 years ago when I first got the article, or 22 years ago, whenever it was it came out, was um, the quotes from your boy, Nikki Sylvester. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, two hours of hitting, all hitting. You know, wouldn't let anybody else hit. He made his shag fly balls. <laughs> yeah. That's Rocky. And the catcher's crouch, you know. Yeah. That's what, that's where that started. That crouch it was interesting. But that's Rocky. That's Rocky. Um, uh, Gennady Golovkin, the modern day Rocky, has uh, got an interesting fight coming up. They just announced Cal Brook is going to be his opponent coming up. See, uh, the UK boxing scene is really growing lately. I've noticed. You know, I mean, do you think that is a bad move by Kell Brook, being that impatient that he can't get a fight, that he's going to try to jump up and to take that risky of a fight? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, for him, it's a win-win situation if he can be the first guy oh, to stop this dude. But you know what? So is Amir Khan moving up to fight Canelo, and he almost right. got decapitated. <laughs> I don't know. Kelbrook is a big name for Gennady. I mean, he's pretty much fought his pick. I mean, he promotes himself. He's made a lot of deals to fight the right guy that he has the right style to beat. And I think, you know, he's got a very decent part of the stalling for the Canelo fight because, I mean, he's he's he hasn't hand-picked his opponents to guys that are slouches, but, you know, he hasn't really fought world champion types lately, so... Kell Brook is that type of guy that could really say, whoa, you know, how do you like a real fighter <laughs> in your face for a little while? So, I don't know. That could be an upset brewing. And, uh, of course, Anthony Joshua doing so good. He's going to be part of the heavyweight scene moving forward. But uh, the word on him is he's all one-twos. He's got he's to develop some hooks and uppercuts along the way here or else he's going to have trouble against the bigger guys. <clears throat> anyway. 
It's in the works. Just give me one minute. We'll see what else is going on for news stories. Oh. Cannot forget to mention this. Uh, I've been reading this on uh, SureDog today. John Jones is reportedly being snagged for use of estrogen blockers. Which, to me, I mean, I don't know much about the science of this, but I do remember the guy from Balco came out and criticized John Jones's testosterone to epitestosterone levels when the cocaine thing came out. And uh, even though he wasn't flagged at the time for those, I'm pretty sure that's what the estrogen blockers are supposed to regulate. For some reason, you take these estrogen blockers and they, they're supposed to regulate that testosterone to epitestosterone level. So, in the case, the only case that I remember that's anything like this is Manny Ramirez from baseball years ago. Um, what? Tested for estrogen blockers. And the speculation was that he was taking testosterone or some type of steroids. And he needed that as a masking agent, basically. So, John Jones has come out in a press conference and says, I'm not a cheater, but he's taking masking agents. So, <laughs> if this is true, yeah, his, his time might be very limited with the UFC. And certainly a suspension is waiting him waiting for him uh, possibly I would think up to a year possibly two years uh, so this is yeah, not, I, keep, I keep hearing two years probably not a situation where he can say it was my supplement <laughs> yeah. I was taking estrogen blockers you know with my supplements no yeah if it was one of those uh, stupid supplement things you just sound like an idiot yeah but this is worse Unbelievable shit. So, yep, so he's going to be out for a while. Really not a whole lot of other news. Except for the UFC sale. Yeah, mark my words. The Fertitas will buy the Oakland Raiders if they can do it. The only thing about that is, will the NFL come in and say, no, we're not going to allow that sale? Just because of their family history. I mean, you can deny all you want, all their shit that they've done behind the scenes through different people with Zions and stuff. They could probably laugh that off with the NFL people. But the, the mob connection to their father, I mean, that's tougher to just swallow as the NFL. saying We're going to let a mob family take over our football team. Yeah, there are some some things money can't buy. I remember, uh, wasn't it years ago, Rush Limbaugh was trying to um, buy part of a team? Right. How long ago was that? I um, can't remember when it was, but I, I think they, I'm pretty sure they, they denied him just on politics. Yeah, and then there was that, you know, the connection to the, the skin that... Uh, that Frank Fertitta Jr. was involved in that the whole movie Casino was about. You know, there was there was part of that that was not in the movie Casino that really happened, but uh, the Sabella family actually tried to rig a Super Bowl. 
Uh, I'm wow. not sure if they succeeded, but uh, you know that that was a family that was connected to that skim was the Savella family and some brutal shit in that family's history. And uh, Frank Bertita was making sure they got their money every month back in the day. Uh, running the Fremont Casino out there in Vegas. And now you're going to give the, the his sons a, a National Football League team. Uh, or one of his sons, Lorenzo, I think, is going to be the one to buy it under his name. Uh, but you'd think with the way they do things, they would probably get other people to front the major money, and then they'll just be like the majority owner. I don't know. They'll figure out a way to do it so that they control everything, but they only put in a minimal investment. That's how they do business. And, you know, I guess that's capitalism at its best, but they've gone about it a shitty way. I'll, I'll give them give them that flack for sure. So I've seen it in action. But I hope these new guys that get in control of the UFC really start taking into account all the issues that made the Fertitas a bad fit for ownership of this organization and the sport, really, because, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, the UFC is really the standard bearer for the rest of the sport. Everybody still says, oh, I'm going to watch UFC fights this weekend, even if it's Bellator, you know. Yeah. The casual fan is still saying UFC fights instead of MMA. Uh, So it's the flagship, and that's what the $4 billion is paying for. And I'd like to see them do something with it that uh, the Fertitas never could, which is co-promote and work well with others. <laughs> well, the Fertitas served their purpose. Yes. You know, when they bought the organization in the first place back in the old days, they did serve their purpose, but they've overstayed their welcome. Right. right. Well, on that note, I would say so have we. We're, we're past 10 o'clock here. No, this isn't okay, Rich. Uh, I, I, let's let's hope you have some bragging rights next week. And um, Chris Ariola you know, Chris. comes out with the win. <laughs> uh, but of course, there are some big uh, MMA fights coming up too. We'll talk about those next week, the big ones. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens. Uh, PBC might have to step up too in the wake of this and, and try to do more big things to, to compete with MMA if these guys really sink more money into it on top of the $4 billion. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And um, Dana White being in charge kind of concerns me still. You know, having, having that guy represent your organization, I think it's just a bad idea. And I was hoping somebody would buy them out who would be a distant relative of the whole situation but you know the Fertitas and Dana White uh, they have a history of insider dealing type of stuff so I'm not surprised not surprised uh, but I am definitely going to be watching the situation seeing how it develops um, <clears throat> and I did ask the guy that uh, interviewed me about the whole situation hey uh, you know can I get an interview with the new owners if this is what it's all about and he didn't deny that that was that it was all about but I haven't heard a word from him so I can imagine it's not something they want out there that they they asked me a bunch of questions the guy was on the phone with me for like 40 minutes and he's asking a lot of business questions so interesting six degrees of separation yep I love I love that phrase. <laughs> So I guess it's book time, you know, because I've got all this stuff sitting there. It's just got to get into book form, and I made sure to uh, preserve the 
one of my favorite video, re I mean, audio recordings that I could never use as evidence, unfortunately, because I said it was part of a settlement conference, but the Fertitas used a couple guys from uh, the Old Boy Network to bankrupt Zions, and these two guys were co-CEOs of Zions at the time, and they called me on the phone, and, and they, one of them said, both of them said, hey, we go to your website to find out the history of the company and what went, really went on there. And this is like recorded. They even mentioned, oh, is this call being recorded? And I say, yeah. Well, we're not comfortable talking, you know, being recorded. But I got the good part on the record, on the, on the recording. I could never use it in the case. But I mean, here there's a company that's suing me for $25 million for lying. And I got two of the co-CEOs at once admitting they go to my website to find out the real history of the company. <laughs> It should have been a slam dunk done from there. This was like a year or two into the case. Uh, so that was always ridiculous to me that the Fertitas would sit there and try to pretend like this was a real case when it never was to begin with. It was just so they could get their my stories off the net and their money into it so they could pull the scam off. So anyway, it's been a long time coming, but to have somebody from the business corporate world call me to check them out is the biggest yes, compliment I could ever hope for at this point. You know, having no big win over them in court. Like, I didn't get any millions out of them. But that to me, I mean, that says, all right, you know, I've, I've got their history down pat enough to be able to inform somebody who wants to do business with them. What to watch out for. <laughs> That's very flattering. So hopefully they used my advice well and they, they locked the Fertitas out of any major interest as far as controlling things. But and, you know, and and maybe you're gonna be the go to guy. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully they don't they don't forget <laughs> what I warned them about. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's business as usual though. Some one phrase we'll have to look out for, but Definitely look for a FightNewsUnlimited.com article about the whole situation. I'll, I'll definitely be writing one. And that's kind of interesting, too, in the light of the, the recent guest we had, James Krause, talking about, uh, you know, his philosophy of doing business with the UFC. <laughs> interesting, in light of them being sold and now under new ownership. So we'll, we'll be pumping out that link over the next couple of days, too, and that's going to be part of the story. Probably going to quote him. Um, but, you know, if I took the Fertitas and I tied them in with all the other interviews I've done of UFC fighters and their attitude towards fighters and while they've run their organization and their real history of how they got into it, it could be a good book. I think a lot of people would read that and it would be great timing because they'd be in the news trying to buy the Raiders in the next few months. So if I could turn around in a couple months and really tr turn something out that's basically already written, just got to put some flourishes in it could be some very good timing <laughs> and who knows maybe it would stop them from buying the Raiders that would be cool fuck you Fertitas and no Frank and Lorenzo right NFL sounds like a bumper <laughs> sticker all right guys well that's all she wrote for us I think till next week we'll have a lot to talk about I'm sure then 
Uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more of how this whole UFC thing develops under new ownership. But uh, I kind of like it how the UFC is now uh, on the record for saying, telling their workers, hey, no, we're not selling. And then they did turn around and sell it. So how genuine is that, huh? May we live well, in interesting times. It's kind of a dick move. <laughs> yeah, well, to be expected, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could technically say they weren't lying because they weren't selling at that particular time. They were waiting right. for, until after UFC 200, but still, you know you're going to be sold. You know that's not just a bullshit bid. And you go and tell everybody yeah. that works for you, no, we're not selling. You know, this is kind of shady to me. Anyway, I'll, I'll yeah. let us go on that note. All right, guys. Enjoy the weekend of fights. Talk to you next week. Sure. All right. Absolutely.